Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our salvation. Amen. From our second lesson, Paul writes to the Christians at Galatia, and he writes, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. Here's a trivia question in case you're ever in a situation where this question is asked. 75 years ago, 100 years ago, where was the largest complex dedicated to watchmaking in the world? The answer, just down the road south of us, 15 miles in Elgin, Illinois. The Elgin Watch Company was started in 1864 and not only was the largest site dedicated to watchmaking in the world, but also made some very, very fine watches for the American market. Owning a Lord Elgin meant something a hundred years ago. Elgin watches were a quality product. Not so much anymore. About four years ago now, I think, I was in the market for a new watch. I didn't know that the Elgin Watch Company discontinued operations down in Elgin in 1965. The buildings were sold eventually. The brand name was sold as well, and now Elgin watches, if you can find them, are made offshore, mostly Southeast Asia. Well, I went out four years ago and bought myself a Elgin watch, $119, <laughs> lasted six weeks. Each time I see this in my desk drawer, it still just steams my vegetables. You know what I mean? Amazing. Still, this area was quite a hotbed of time-making, watch-making. Largest complex in the world. That's something. Let me go just a little bit in a different direction. Mr. Obvious here, we know this. There's time and there's time. There is watch time. Hours, minutes, seconds. And then now we're accustomed to having those seconds even fractionated down more. Come about six months, seven months from now, we'll be watching the Paris Olympics, and some of the contests are almost surely going to be decided in one hundredths of a second, and maybe even one one thousandth. Have you ever heard of a zeptosecond? Yeah, I hadn't either until this last week. A zeptosecond is one trillionth of one billionth of a second. It's the time, as I understand it, that it takes a particle of light to move through a hydrogen atom. <laughs> Who knew, right? Amazing. That's a lot of, lot of measuring. So there's watch time, no question about that. There's calendar time. What time is it? December 31st, end of one year, on the cusp of another. There's a time when things cycle through, seasons we call them, winter, spring, summer, fall. It's a biblical concept. Back in Ecclesiastes 3, we read, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Pete Seeger wrote a song to that, to those words in the 1950s. And, and some of us probably remember the birds, 1965, remember that? To everything's turn, turn. Still a good song, say I, still a good song. And then there's time that ends up 
in a completion, an end, a goal. When things are finished, from the Bible story that we heard again just a week ago, Mary knew something about time. At one time we heard read, when the days were accomplished that she should be delivered, when the fullness of her time came, she brought forth a baby. When things start to when they finish, that's usually 266 days to have a baby or 280, depend when you count from. It's predictable because it happens so often in the United States, more than 10,000 babies born every day. Around the world, 350,000 babies born every day. Again, so often repeated that it's predictable about when it's going to happen. For Mary, the time had come and she had the child. There are good historians of the Western world, at least, who say that when Mary was ready to have a child, the Western world, at least, was ready to receive a child. Paul Meyer is a historian, a very good historian of the time of the Roman Empire and specifically the time of Jesus and his birth. He wrote a book called, appropriately, In the Fullness of Time. Really good book if you're interested in a little bit of history and archaeology about that time in the world. With other historians, Paul Meyer observes that, at least again for the Western world, it was a good time for Jesus to be born when he was. Culturally, there was a common language around the Mediterranean world, and that was huge so that somebody writing a letter in one place could have that letter read by another person a thousand miles away. So the spread of information was reasonably fast, at least compared to the rest of the ancient world. <clears throat> Politically, the Roman world was at peace after the chaotic and brutal Roman civil wars. And now there would be an era of peace that would extend at least another couple centuries, at least 200, 300 years, so that people were free to travel around and take a message, and now the gospel message, with them. Logistically, geographically, the Romans built up an impressive system of roads through the Roman world at that time. For good reason, people would say, all roads lead to Rome, because in a sense, they kind of sort of did. And if you've been to Rome as a tourist, you know that you can walk on some of the same stones that St. Paul walked on, leaving Rome as he did for some of his missionary travels. It was impressive. It was extensive. Quite a system of travel. And so, at least on a human level, the world was ready to receive the baby that Mary birthed that first Christmas night. The time was fertile. Palestine was fertile. The world was fertile for the planting and rapid growth of the gospel. No question about that at all. Far more ready for the quick spread of the gospel than would have been the case 100 or 200 or 300 years prior to that. <clears throat> and yet, and yet, all that said, when God acts, he acts when and how he chooses. 
It wasn't as though God was waiting in his heavens watching the Romans and saying, when, when the Roman engineers get this road finished from, road, from Rome eastward to the Adriatic Ocean, the Adriatic Sea, when that happens, I'll send the Messiah. When the economy is in good shape, I'll send the Messiah. When everybody in the area of the Mediterranean world can speak one language, then I'll send the Messiah. It didn't work like that. God acts when he chooses to act. And God chose to unleash the gospel in a world at a time when it was favorable for people to receive that gospel and then to take it. With all the oddities and the imperfections and the goofiness and yet the readiness of that day, ready to take that to other peoples. In his time, he decided that no longer would people come to God on the basis of rules and rights and regulations. Instead, God decided that the time was right to announce to the world that from then on, from then on, people would come to him as daughters and sons with all the rights and privileges as though they had themselves been born to God himself. All of this arranged through the birth, life, suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ begun that Christmas Eve. It was the beginning of a new era, the beginning of a new age, the beginning of a new time. With the birth of Jesus, the world has not been the same. Toward the end of World War II, on August 6th and August 9th of 1945, a new kind of bomb was dropped in the world on the towns of Japan and Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The first and only time nuclear weapons were ever used in war. The atomic age, the nuclear age began, and the world has not been the same since. On September 11th, 2001, 19 militants associated with the Islamic group Al-Qaeda hijacked four airliners and crashed them into strategic targets along the East Coast. And again, our world has not been the same. When God decided to act, on a date uncertain 2,000 years ago, when he decided that the time was right, he sent that son. A child was born, born as humbly as humble can be. And that child took on the curse of the cross so that again we might become inheritors of all that a son, a daughter of God can have. We are now sons and daughters of the Most High. Adopted, sure, but daughters and sons nonetheless. And the world has not been the same since. That's what Simeon realized in our gospel lesson this morning. I don't mean to be irreverent or, or silly this morning, but I wonder what was on Simeon's bucket list for the last, let's say, 10, 25 years of his life. I'm just thinking there might have been a list in reverse order of numbers. For example, number four, see the pyramids, the great pyramids of Giza in Egypt, okay? 
did that 25 years ago. Check that one off. Number three, spend a week at Caesarea Maritima on the ocean with my wife and enjoying the sunsets there. That was number, number three, check that one off. Number two, spend our 25th anniversary in Greece watching a play of Sophocles at the great theater of Epidaurus. Yeah, we checked that one off, got that done. See the Messiah, number one, check. See the Messiah? That would be quite a bucket list item, wasn't it? Would have been and was then. Apparently, that was the finale. Simon's, Simeon's rather, exit cue. Now all the boxes were checked. Not that I want to go, Lord, but I'm ready. I'm ready. It was Mary's time. It was the world's time, at least the Western world's time. And it was Simeon's time. Today, December, 20, December 31st, 2023, end of one year, nearly the beginning of a number, what, what, of another. What time is it in your world, friend? What time is it in your world? The fullness of 2023 is a good time to ask that question, isn't it? End of one year, beginning of another, which means that many of us, maybe most of us, I understand at least 50% of us, will make some New Year's resolutions, as Pastor Kirk indicated in the children's talk. I'm told that 80% of New Year's resolutions today involve the four categories of calories, cash, cleaning, and career. I suspect that's about right. <laughs> calories. Time to lose some weight, and this year it's going to happen, right? Absolutely. Cash, have you been to the grocery store in the last 18 months and eating out? It's crazy, right? Save more in 24. Cleaning. I am tired of walking around all the obstacles in the basement in this next year. Our family is not going to be pack rats. We are going to be hurl squirrels and we're gonna get started tomorrow. And career. Eh, eh, career. It's okay, not so good. Maybe a new opportunity in a new year. It could happen. Today, tomorrow, into the next year, might be a good time to make a spiritual resolution as well. Remember what we sang just a week ago, seven days ago? The words joy to the world include the words let every heart prepare him room. And when we sang O Little Town of Bethlehem, which we did here, we included the phrase where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. God never asks us as Christians to remain on the sidelines of life, sitting in the bleachers, spectators watching others play the game of life, waiting until our clock runs out, the game is over and we transition to a time beyond time. He asks us to live the abundant life now. Repeatedly in his epistle lessons, Paul uses the phrase, in the now time, in the now time. God's going to be acting in 2024, no doubt about that, he always does. He will come, ready or not. Is there something unfinished in your relationship with God that 
you need to address to prepare for the way of the Lord in your own way and in your own time? More time in the Word, more time giving your time, reaching out to the lost, the least, the lonely, the left out, and the little ones. Are you living a life carrying a backpack of regrets? And have you been carrying that for too long? God asks you to live a life and move with him past the what-ifs into a life of what is. And for the Christian, that is a life smeared with forgiveness and painted with various shades of hope. Is it time for you to make a change in one or more parts of your spiritual life? We might say, well, I'll try to make time. We can't make time any more than we can make gravity. We might say, I'll try to find time. Time's never been lost, it just is. And we say, well, I guess we'll have to manage our time. We can't manage time any more than we can manage sunlight. We can only manage ourselves. As you review your life at year's end, has the time come, perhaps, in small way or large way? To reposition, repurpose, refocus your spiritual life. Maybe arrange your life in such a way to include those things that are important to you in a relationship with your Savior. It could be as simple as placing on your smartphone a daily prompt that asks you each day to list, list one thing for which you are thankful that day, starting small, starting small. At the end, the fullness of time was not so much about us as it was about our God and how he acted. It was about God then, and it's about God now and how he interacts with us. Back in 1975, Diane Ball, a convention speaker and also a Christian artist, was at a place in a camp where she was spending some time with her family. She was supposed to go one day to a venue 90 minutes away. But because of an emergency at that convention center, she was left with only 45 minutes to get there. 45 minutes to get to a place 90 minutes away because she was a featured speaker that day. On the way, for reasons not known even to her, there came to her a, a three-word phrase, in his time. And, and again, for reasons known to her, that, that settled her mood and settled her spirit. So off she went, and she arrived at that convention center to find that the convention as a whole had an agenda that had slipped about an hour in length, so that when she got there, she was able to make her entire presentation in a winsome way. Later, using those three words, Diane Ball wrote a song that is popular among many Christians today. Some of the words go like this. In his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. Lord, please show me every day as you're teaching me your way that you do just what you say in your time. Thanks be to God 
and Happy New Year. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the faith, which comes through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. As you are comfortable, we 